0: You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast.
1: As we get ready on a Friday night for week two of the NFL season, all we know is that the season, the week, I should say, started exactly as we hoped it was with the juggernaut matchup that lived up to every ounce of the hype. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Sirius XM channel lady Sarah Spain Jason Fitz we're presented by Progressive Insurance and don't forget you can be part of Spain and Fitz Nation on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed just tweet us at Sarah Spain at Jason Fitz that's the way you get in on the fun ESPN Nation presented by Dr. Pepper it ain't college football season without the delicious taste of an ice cold Dr. Pepper the one fans deserve uh, Thursday Night Football gave us plenty of reasons to drink uh, all the Dr. Pepper we could want Sarah but before we get to that I was drinking a, a tasty diet like, Dr. With Pepper with alcohol or- uh, No no no, no. No no, no, no. Just I'm,
2: in celebration.
1: I'm a lean, mean fighting machine. I was sitting okay. in uh, in in Mohegan Sun, uh, watching the, my aces last night, uh, and my aces take a big loss uh, against the Connecticut Sun. And uh, yeah, I'm telling mm-hmm. you, I, I I shouldn't go to these things. I can't have I'm nice not
2: things. Not gonna say you were the curse I, i'm not gonna say it's your fault but your team looked real good until you showed up
1: yeah and all of a sudden i mean connecticut came out just more aggressive they came out playing violently in every right way in a basketball game to yeah, want of Honor
2: actually listen to both of us Yeah, i mean it's actually your fault for being so empathetic to her you should have been like i hope she continues to suck
1: yeah uh well there, i take all that back if she could suck on sunday that would be a spectacular <laughs> thing for me as uh, I I have some issues with the WNBA, we'll talk about that a little later in the show. But okay. uh, obviously, the Aces, I'm I'm fairly confident are going to get it done on Sunday. Uh, but this time I'm not going to go because I realize I'm the bad luck charm. It, that that's the only, only fair and reasonable uh, conclusion. Today it's difficult to have a fair and reasonable conclusion on some of what we saw last night because you see games every once in a while where man you're convinced it's going one way and the football gods want it to go another. The number of times I thought Patrick Mahomes was about to turn the football over and all of a sudden it was like no not this time and the Chiefs get a big comeback win over uh, Herbert and the Chargers. It was a it was a statement win for kansas city for sure
2: yeah i mean if you're the chiefs you're walking away feeling pretty lucky though because to your point i don't know that i mean and it happened for the chargers too but i don't know that i've seen a game with that many should have been picks that were dropped or ruled back ever and it was it was an incredible back and forth of do you want to give this game away no we're good um do you want to take this game no i'm good and in the end it was the chiefs defense looking better it was mahomes settling in but, I mean, a lot of punts for the Chiefs early on, a lot of the Chargers looking dominant, and you could easily see the next meeting between these teams going the other way. And that's why the, the takeaways I have about the Chiefs and why they won, um, I don't know how definitive they are as far as being able to say, this is definitely a better team. Um, That 99-yard pick six from Jalen Watson was huge, and that looked like it wasn't so much on Herbert, but a receiver who got tired and didn't finish the route right. Um, And and there are a couple other moments that were turning points in that game that could have gone a different direction. So I'm pretty hyped to see how both of these teams continue their season. Yeah,
1: if. If any team in the AFC goes better than four and two in their own division, I'd be stunned. I, this is what the AFC is going to be this year. A bunch of matchups that all come down to the wire. They all I, the, the amount of times for the Chargers now they've had two straight weeks where they go into or two straight games. It's been less than a week where they go into the last five, six minutes and it could go either way and you're going to win some and lose some on these. I'm not going to overreact to it. The one thing that is worth an overreaction is the, the news that Adam Schefter broke earlier today. Chargers quarterback Justin Herbert, quarterback The Shefty was diagnosed today with a rib cartilage fracture. That's what Brandon Staley told reporters. The team will assess where he's at Wednesday to determine... If he can practice, and this becomes sort of a level of, can he practice? Can he play? Uh, What's the pain management going to look like? What's it going to feel like every time one of these really good defensive fronts, because they're all over the West, just go in there and pop him? Like, every time he gets hit, what's it going to mean for his throwing motion? Like, there are a million questions that come out of a, and who knew to me that you could even fracture your rib cartilage? It just sounds painful.
2: I've, yeah, I guess I didn't know you could break or fracture cartilage, but I guess uh, this is the proof of that. I'm worried about this. I think it's a great, great serendipitous thing for the Chargers that they're hosting the Jags next week. Um, the Jags presumably are a team that if they get up by a bit, they may be able to sit Herbert down the stretch. Um you know, And that's going to be a decision, obviously, for them to make on how big of a lead they could put up. But I would like him to get a lot of rest. That is going to hurt. Whether or not it's preventative in the sense that he literally can't go, maybe not. But will it potentially bug him for weeks to come? It was a real dicey decision, I thought, with a 10-point deficit to put him in. And he made that incredible strike throw to, to pull <laughs> closer. But, yeah, I mean... I don't know if I would have done that.
1: This becomes part of what the definition of Chargers fandom is every single year, right? Like this is always a talented team that for some reason always struggles to stay healthy. And you can't really blame because typically you could go in and say, well, maybe they need to look at their training practices or like who's in the room and, and, and how do you get guys healthier? What can they change? But they've gone through several regimes in my lifetime where i feel like no matter who's in charge injury bugs bite the chargers and i don't know uh, what you do to change that how you turn that around but you went into a game last night where there was no keenan allen so you have no idea what that's gonna how that's gonna impact turns out mike williams had a, an absolutely incredible game throughout the course of that night and now you have an injured justin herbert like i think the oh no here we go again aspect of this comes a little bit from the fact that chargers fans feel like they deal with this every single year. Mm -hmm. And with the AFC being as good as it is, Sarah, man, you've got to be healthy to a certain extent because you're not going to be able to sneak out a lot of wins.
2: Yeah, and that's what we've talked about from the beginning, including week one, was you got to win against the teams that you're supposed to if you are in a division this tough, and you got to be able to presumably moving forward Rest Herbert as often as you can and get him ready for the big ones. Um so yeah, that was a interesting decision making down the stretch, but certainly we got a really good look at both of those teams and I think expectations for them, which have been high since the offseason, will continue to be so after what we've seen through two weeks.
1: Yeah, I also think that there's a a moment here where, you know, thank God for the mini buy. I know it's early in the year, but for the Chargers to get a few extra days. And to get themselves healthy is going to be key to it. And I I do want to take a second because we've spent so much time focusing on the Chargers aspect of this. Patrick Mahomes was everything Patrick Mahomes has been and looks to continue to be everything that Patrick Mahomes can be. And I heard Marcus Spears say it earlier today that you can have the more talented roster if you're the Chargers. But the, the Chiefs have the great equalizer in Patrick Mahomes. And it feels like we're seeing more and more of that there, there's a but just... would
2: you be saying that if all those picks had been picks that should have been
1: no no but it just feels like sometimes you're kissed by the gods like I I, I, I want to make it more complicated than that but man I mean if you're the Chiefs and you're Mahomes you're in every game no matter what, how much you trail by and that's just part of their reality now
2: yeah I I think Mahomes is the best player in the league I think he can do incredible amazing things I need to see a performance from him that doesn't involve quite so much being kissed by the gods because I didn't. And they did – they struggled in short yardage, and I think that's something to keep an eye on when you're looking at a team where we're mostly going to be talking about how great they were. They were 1 of 5 on 3rd and 3 or less. In fact, Andy Reid ended up calling for a field goal and 4th and goal from the 1 in the 4th quarter with the team down. That is not something you usually see from Patrick Mahomes. 4th and goal from the 1, and he ends up going field goal there. So um, I just think – you know, I'm here for all of the praise and, and all of the deserving awe and ooh, or ooh and ahs, I should say, for Patrick Mahomes. But I think we would be talking real differently if people had gotten their hands on those balls and hung on to him that they should have.
1: Forgot. I totally forgot that uh, Andy Reid decision until you just made it. And even when he was asked in the press conference after, it felt like he was sort of flipping about it. Kind of surprising to me. That's the route they went. And this is, uh, I'm not putting anything into week one against the Cardinals. I don't think that's a great defense. I thought it was a bad game plan. So it's the first time we've seen the Chiefs against what I think is a really capable defense in the AFC. So we'll see what it means. In the meantime, we do know college football's back this weekend. Tune in tomorrow. South Carolina hosts Georgia, presented by Dr. Pepper. Coverage begins at 1130 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio in the ESPN app. All right, we need to get to more of the fallout. We have more breaking developments in the the NBA when it comes to the suspension of Robert Sarver with the Phoenix Suns and the Phoenix Mercury. We will break it all down for you next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app.
0: You're listening to the
1: Spain and Fitz podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app series, XM channel, ladies, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. And Sarah, we expect every day right now to get more developments when it comes to the Phoenix Suns' uh, relationship, let's say, with owner Robert Sarver, as as most people have heard over the course of the last few days, uh, the NBA has banned him for one year, suspended him, I should say, for one year, and fined him $10 million. And the question becomes, how would that be reacted to from people around the sport? We heard from LeBron. We told you about that in the past, a uh, the last couple of days. But now we've heard uh, from the NBA Players Association as they say that they're actually, this is a quote, they're calling for- We have some sound, actually. Fitz, oh, okay. if you want to play
2: it. The NBPA executive director, to me, Malika Tremaglio or Tremelio, uh was on with Malika Andrews today and had this to say.
0: As the executive director of the NBPA, I am speaking on behalf of our players. It is our players' desire that while we understand that there has been a thorough investigation and we're very pleased that the NBA was able to follow through on that because that's clearly something that we want to see happen, we also want to make it very clear that we do not want him back in a position where he will be impacting our players and those who serve our players on a daily basis
2: yeah she was pretty clear about it she said we are absolutely clear that we do not want him to be in that position and confirmed yet again she was speaking on behalf of players we saw of course lebron and chris paul tweeting but um this seemed to be something that she had consulted with all the leadership and was authorized to say on behalf of an entire league full of players
1: and i think it's important to really think about each of the different actions and reactions that can come from this right like there's a spot where no matter what the NBA says, we expect reaction from the players. We expect reaction from the Players Association. Uh, you and I have talked a little bit over the last 48 hours about what this could mean for players that you know, are considering Phoenix and how players in general are going to react to all of this news. So I'm not surprised to hear from the Players Association. I don't know if at the end of the day it makes a huge difference, but at least they have to come out, even knowing that it may not change the outcome, you have to say something, right?
2: Yeah, uh, you have to. And that's the point is that for all the discussion about how difficult it is and for Adam Silver to come out and say flat out, I don't have the ability to take his team from him. There are other factors that will basically, the end result will be the hope that Sarver will step down. So now we've got the Players Association, we've got the minority owner of the team releasing an open letter asking him to step down. We've got a sponsor. That has said we will not be back paypal has said we will not be back with this team a year from now if sarver returns so you've got money that's actually coming into play now now tremelio or tremoglio i guess i should figure out how to say her name um she said they have not yet had discussions with players about boycotting games but that players are very upset and they don't want to be in a position where they or their families or anyone around them feel unsafe and so I think right now we're still far enough away from the season that there might be players both in the WNBA and the NBA that gather together to have conversations about how their weight can best be felt. And I think maybe conversations with other sponsors. Will PayPal influence other major financial backers to need to make a statement themselves? Because what will it look like? from their point of view if PayPal's the only one that steps up and does something.
1: I feel like PayPal was the moment today that it hit me that like, oh, you know what, this is this is getting very real. Because to your point, once you start costing money you know, to everybody, then maybe it changes the conversation a little bit, you know, and and if you think about what it means to your point and PayPal, you know, making it very clear that this is not about anything other than Robert Sarver's, Sarver's uh, involvement with this franchise, Uh, to me is substantial their deal ends after the upcoming season and you've got to feel like these are the sort of moments that the league and the teams are going to look at it and say what is the action and what's the consequence and how do you get around it the hard part is how do you get around it i'm not sure that there's an easy solution and we're going to be joined later tonight by Bamani jones uh, to break down some of what he said, but he he's made a very smart point uh, on his podcast, The Right Time, about the fact that the sons at the end of the day are the property of somebody, and you can't just come in one day and say, I'm taking this away from you. Life isn't that simple. So as much as I I want to make things simple sometimes, I'm also not a brilliant person, but Monty is. And I think it's a smart point to say, hey, like you, we've got to step back and understand that it's, you can't just walk in and say, you don't get to own this anymore in every situation.
2: Of course, but worth noting that not only is this team part of a collective and a league that has expectations for behavior in this case, more so than say the NFL, where we continue to have these conversations about Dan Snyder and the commanders, um, the players have much more power, the top players, the most noteworthy players, and it is a league that at least pretends to have a vested interest in being progressive and being forward-thinking. Now, you mentioned Bamani. He and Dominique Foxworth talked on the podcast today, The Right Time, about how a lot of people see the NBA and the NFL as very different when it comes to major social issues and their backing of players and player beliefs about those things. But when it comes down to brass tacks, Adam Silver still works for the owners, and the owners might not be as different as NFL owners as you believe them to be, right? What comes out and what serves the league, is different than what people believe serves the nfl maybe in terms of fan base and and projected you know uh uh, morals and everything else but that doesn't necessarily mean that the individuals at the top behave all that differently and this is a litmus test for that and one thing i do think that's worth noting is you know you've got um a bunch of a bunch of players under sarver that potentially can boycott in a much more meaningful way um, both on the WNBA and the NBA side to the point of, you know, you're you're costing us money, you're costing our league money, you're costing our team money. And that's the other aspect. Now that we have a minority owner stepping up, we'd have to look in, into, you know, the, the setup of that ownership. But Fitz, I mean, when that's usually the, the line that's drawn. Here's, here's where we can point to all the money you're costing us. Here's where we can point to reputational damage and moving forward how fans players sponsors will see us differently and you can make things miserable enough inside that sarver says hey it's a lot of money for me to sell and walk away I and ha- not have to deal with this
1: spain and Fitz, sarah spain jason fits uh, i think that's such a great point when it comes to how difficult things can become you know and what's unfortunate is that we're largely going to look at the players and say okay fix this like we don't like the league's ruling the, the players can fix this. I, I use this this moment as I do all the time on these types of issues to remind fans, you have power in this too, right? Like the fans could stand up and say, yeah, I'm just going to put all my gear away and not give you any money until you get this right. And I understand as the ultimate fan why that is such a difficult proposition to ask of people, but it, it, at some point you have some level of ownership in what's happening for a team if you spend money on any of it. Like And and I don't even just mean money. I mean, if you, if you sit down and watch the games – then essentially you're supporting the, the the whole problem. If you're spending money on it, you're supporting the whole problem. Like the, the fans could take a stand. That just never happens. So now you got to look at it and say if right. the league won't take a stand and the fans won't take a stand, then it's going to be the players' issue to figure out if they're willing to take a stand and come in together as one and say, no, we just won't play. And frankly, there are three or four players on the Suns that if they did that – the, the team doesn't stand a chance of being even relevant, not the, nonetheless competitive. So the, the onus is going to start to fall on them if there's ever going to be any real action.
2: Which we talked about the other day. Of course it is, right? Yeah. Terrible behavior at the top from the most powerful and entitled and often white ends up falling to the aggrieved parties. And in this case, predominantly women, predominantly black athletes. Right? On both sides, for the Mercury and the Suns. And that's a really tough pill to swallow. But we can't deny how difficult it is to remove people in power. And that's why, ultimately, it probably needs to get so uncomfortable for him that taking that big payday feels like the right move.
1: Uh, Every day that we get more developments on this, it reminds us this story is not going anywhere. And we'll keep you informed as we continue to break it down. But coming up, we'll we'll look back at last night and we'll look forward to Sunday. All coming up next, Bain & Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast.
2: For as excited as we get for week one in the NFL, week two is when we really start to figure some things out about some teams. And there were a few that we think might have tricked us in week one and a couple that didn't have a fair shot to show us who they are. We're excited for week two, and we're going to get an expert in here to talk about it. It's Spain and Fitz on a Friday on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Don't forget you could tune into a football doubleheader Sunday as the Steelers host the Patriots, followed by Texans at Broncos. Coverage begins at noon Eastern on select ESPN radio stations. Let's bring in senior football writer at the Ringer, Kevin Clark. Kevin, always great to have you on. I'm gonna leave it wide open for you on the first one the game that you think you will learn the most from watching this weekend
0: Ooh, boy this is a good one because I learned a lot from last night's game oh uh, and that's off the board including how to use Amazon Prime for, for NFL <laughs> I learned that that no, no, was exciting um you know I, I I'm intrigued to see the Packers and the Bears I know this is, this is All not right. sucking up to you Sarah um, but <laughs> I'll I, take I do think that there's there's a, a, a level of whenever this I remember doing some studies on this but you know you look at the the they're reading some studies on this but you look at the Vegas lines in week two and the teams that did poorly in week one are always really 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 underrated in week two and vice versa right that's not, that's not much of a surprise but I think a lot of times sometimes it's just teams are in funk to start the season and I went to uh you know we talked about the Matt LaFleur thing I did a couple weeks ago But I was in Green Bay and those, that team was ready for January and I wonder Sarah if there's a little bit of a they're still ready for January, they're not ready for September kind of thing. Right. And I wonder if there's something there with the opposite with, with Chicago. and Everybody's down on them. Everybody's making excuses for why the Bears won last week. It was in a monsoon. Well, guess who else was in a monsoon? The Chicago Bears. Um, and so I think that there was – I, I, I do think those performances from those two teams last week for now might be a little more real than maybe we think,
1: guys. So you, that's a great game, and I love that. I need your thoughts on the Patriots because I'm all out on the Patriots offense <laughs> being any good. Was that one week or was that for the entire season?
0: Uh, it's going to be for the entire season because the, the roster lacks talent, and nobody's as good at maximizing talent as Bill Belichick, but not even he can do this because of some of the mistakes that, that he made. First of all, I mean – I, listen, buddy, like I know you're the greatest coach of all time, but get an offensive play call. And right now where they've got <laughs> Matt Patricia and Matt Judge both or uh, Joe Judge both talking into their, their headset at the same time, kinda like, Oh, who's calling the plays? We know who's calling the plays. It's Matt Patricia, who was a terrible head coach in Detroit. He was actually frankly a pretty bad defensive coordinator. Um it reminds me a little bit of kind of latter days Andy Reid in Philadelphia, if you guys remember, when he made Juan Castillo uh just he wanted to keep him on staff so he flipped the side of the ball he was on. Um, and so I, I think sometimes these guys, out of loyalty or out of hey I've have made it work before, they get in these situations that they can't get out of. I think Belichick's in that situation right now. And I think that when you think about the stakes of having a second year quarterback like Mac Jones who needs all the help he can get, I'm I'm really worried about it. You saw it, you know, he was saying when they resigned Devin Godshaw, um over the off season, the, the Belichick said that they, you know he's one of the showed out. He's one of the best defensive tackles on the team, blah 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 in the league. And I think he started to see, I think Belichick is a master psychologist, and he started to pump up his guys. Mac Jones is getting pumped up. I think he said it was night and day between last year and this year. And I think Belichick's just trying to put a positive spin on this team, which is the exact opposite of what he used to do when he had Tom Brady and those guys. And so I think he's going to try to make the best of it, but this, this is over. There, there's nothing. I mean, I do think the, the, the Steelers game this weekend is going to be fascinating because both of these uh, teams are – have have generally great coaching staffs, great front offices. They know how to run things, but there's just not enough talent for either of these Mm -hmm. teams to win sustainably this year, guys.
2: It could get messy as Mm. far as somebody winning because of a mistake and not because of good, solid offensive football. That's for sure. (laughs) Uh, We're talking to Kevin Clark, senior football writer at the Ringer. Uh, Commander's Lions, the Lions favored for the first time in, something like 25 games, but most people 24, say.
0: longest streak. Could yeah. you imagine? Uh, that, that's Matt Patricia for you. It's right, team, exactly. They had the longest
2: streak as underdogs <laughs> ever. But unfortunately for them, I think the reason that they're the favorites is because people like them more than the commanders, partly because of hard yep. knocks and Dan Campbell and obvious reasons <laughs> why you wouldn't like the commanders. Should they actually be favored here?
0: They're at home. These teams are both bad. Um, I think the Lions have okay vibes. When you think about the fact that they did play the Eagles, at least hard. The Eagles just had way more talent. I think the Eagles are probably going to win. Excuse me, the Lions are probably going to win this game. Um, And I I think that generally they're an okay team. I think they're still a year away from contending, guys. Um, But I think that when you look at some of the young pieces there, those are going to start to develop over the course of the season. It was a total teardown. I talked to the GM Brad Holmes a couple weeks ago, and he said they didn't start out to tear it down. They just started looking at every decision last year and said, okay, let's get rid of this guy, this guy, this guy, trade Matthew Stafford. And all of a sudden the roster is bare. It was an accidental, you know, teardown. And what what Brad Holmes said to me was last year wasn't even, it wasn't the, hey, we're building the house, let's get a chandelier year. It was the, let's get the HVAC in here. And so this year (laughs) is the, let's put, let's put some doors on this thing. And so it's going to go slow, but what do the commanders have that's any better? And so for me, I think the Lions are going to win these sort of games this year, which is the next step. For a franchise that's trying to get better, beat the teams you should be, and then next year they can compete with a team like the Eagles or something like that. But, yes, I do think they should be favored in games like that, Sarah.
1: I can't wrap my head around why the Colts refuse to win in Jacksonville every year, but it just happens every year. (laughs) So, like, from a smart football mind, how much weight do you put into the past when you see a stat like that?
0: It depends. Is Carson Wentz within a 1,000 miles of that stadium? Because that, that, <laughs> That's to me, a is the, biggest, the biggest determination. Now, it was funny. When you guys were asking what, what the most interesting game was, I was actually thinking about that game because, okay, on paper, obviously the Colts are way more talented. But on the other hand, it's the Jaguars, and they seem to be in the Colts' head. Um, that was a loss last year that changed the entire course of the franchise. If you read some of the reporting that came out of Indy after that, it's basically they were – they yeah, they were done with Wentz after that game, and and they moved on pretty quickly. And I think the coach had to apologize to the owner for even vouching for right. him. I mean, it was a total disaster. So you get back on that field, and you just wonder if what the what the vibes are. Um, if they're still spooked by this team. I think it's going to be fascinating. I'm worried, guys, about Trevor Moore because this is a team. I I, I my, my, my two sleeper teams this mm. year were the Dolphins and the Jaguars. And I'm already kind of backing off the Jaguars because with this improved receiving core, I thought Lawrence could just make the throws and there'd be some improvement there with Doug Peterson. I didn't see a very accurate quarterback last week against the commanders. If you can't beat the team like the commanders, you're probably not going to be a sleeper this year. I know, I mean, listen, we cannot overrate week one performances. The Packers last year, the number one seed in the NFC, lost by 35 points in week one. The Titans, the the AFC one seed, lost by 25 points to a team that was going to put a homework clause in their quarterback's contract a couple Mm. of months later, okay? So we can't overlook this stuff, but I really saw some throws from Trevor Lawrence where I was like, man, this, 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 the improvement might, might not be where I thought it was.
2: Kevin Clark is with us here on Spain and Fitz. I want to move on, so I want to ask this just quickly. How many games do we give before we start asking honest questions about Trevor Lawrence and if he's actually a good professional quarterback?
0: I mean, you have to give him another half season, but you have to think about the way this all works now um, with quarterback contracts, with do you go out and get competition the next year? Do you uh, go out and spend a ton of money on the offensive line? You've got to draft a quarterback and do everything you can to support him unless the quarterback shows that he shouldn't be supported. And so I think there's a lot that goes into it. I think you just let him play out the season, see how it goes, see what the changes right. have to be. But we can start having those conversations just in a couple of weeks. I think midseason this year we can start to have those conversations and and the media can start talking about it definitively. I'd hold off if I'm actually working in Jacksonville.
2: Okay, Buccaneers-Saints. This is the one I want to ask you about. I think the Bucs are a, a really good team, even though there's question marks. I really have trouble figuring out if the Saints are going to be good. Some people have them. Really good this year, and I'm just not seeing that. What am I missing with New Orleans?
0: Sarah, is the question mark you have about the Bucks what Tom Brady's face is doing right now?
2: It's what Tom. It's it's whether the work that he's gotten done are going to make his you know his eyes function any differently when he's reading defenses. <laughs> um, did he leave enough room there? Um, will
0: will, will space be any narrower this time next right. week? Is he right. um, exactly. No, it, it, it's a fascinating game because I think the Bucks are one of these teams that I mean, it's almost like the Packers, right? Where I think they're ready for January and September. But on the other hand, they've got questions they've got to answer now for me. And so I want to see certain things in the interior of the offensive line. The Cowboys are ready to implode last week. I barely, I mean, watching the Cowboys lose last week, it was like watching one of these college games where somebody scheduled, you know, uh, South Carolina State or something. Like, it, it, it barely counted as a win in my book. Um, and so I, I just don't think that the Cowboys are ready to go. And so I think that this is one of the – I think, these the bigger um, I think th- this is a bigger test. I think the Saints are interesting to me because Jameis can be – has a high ceiling. That's why he's still in the league. That's why he still gets these opportunities. The roster we know is one of the best in the NFL if you don't count the quarterback. Um, and so I, I actually think this is a pretty intriguing matchup. I like the Bucks just because of the roster talent guys. Um, and just the the depth of it, and Tom Brady being a tiebreaker, um, but I do think it's going to be a little closer than we think, just because uh, you know, I, I pr- probably think Dennis Allen is a, is a league average head coach. He's not Sean Payton, um, but I think there's something there where, where they're going to be kind of a, a seventh, kind of third wild card team, uh, tight team all year.
2: Awesome stuff, Kevin. Always appreciate the time. Enjoy week two of football.
0: You're the best, brother. Jason, love your column this week, brother. I love oh, you
2: thanks. Yeah, look, look at that. Appreciate it, brother. One scribe to another. You know, it's just two uh, professional Clark. journalists
1: <laughs> being journalists there. This is what we do.
2: Uh, senior <sighs> football writer at The Ringer. Thanks to Kevin for the time. Everybody go check out Fitz's first article. He did a great job. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. Coming up, one game to watch in the pros and in the college it's coming up next
0: spain and fits the podcast
2: it feels like as soon as you say it's not a great weekend for college football you're setting up for some insane games a ridiculous upset a play we'll be talking about all week it feels like if i put that out in the universe that we will get something good back from the college football slate at the very least we will get one game to watch from Jason Fitz, and I'll give you one to watch of the NFL slate of Week 2, although there's plenty to get into on the professional side. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 8. You can always hit us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed, at Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz, at Spain and Fitz. Maybe let us know what one to watch you've got in the college slate and the NFL slate for the Week 2 uh, games. But let's start with college football, Fitz. Give us something to get excited. About.
1: Let me be honest with you, too, Sarah. Like you just mentioned it, I get so worried on weekends like this in college football because. When I, like I'm hanging out with AJ McCarron, seven to eight p.m. across all wow. our digital platforms. Okay. Work that into a, a yep. promo Always for the college football show. Stuff. We got uh, uh, writing. 7, p.m. We got
2: to work
1: uh, college yeah, football. You know. Anything else? Anything else you want to? Uh, well, you know, I'll, I'll start j- doing a little dance out on on, on campus. Whatever it takes Perfect. to keep my keep my job. Uh, now, so the the fear is here, here's like the worst case scenario. I'm on air for from seven to eight with no commercials. We got no breaks. So if the games stink, I got nothing. And I'm just going to be sitting next to AJ being like, so remember that time you won a national championship and beat Michael you Jr.? <laughs> like, there's nothing else we can talk about. I need these games to be spectacular. So I am rooting for absolute chaos because otherwise, what in the hell am I going to talk about for an hour straight? Lucky for me, I at least think there's a few games that are worth watching. But there's one there's one that sticks out to me, and it's one that they've been talking about a lot on ESPN today because number 11, Michigan State, is going to Washington. And, you know, this is surprising to some people because Washington is the favorite. Now, Washington's unranked, and Michigan State is number 11. You might ask yourself, why, oh, why is Washington the favorite? Well, here's your fun fact you didn't know you needed. Last year, Michigan State's passing defense was ranked 130th in the country. That's not good. They only (laughs) changed one player in that secondary. Mm. They're still not good. That is an Achilles heel to this Michigan State team and they're taking on a Washington team, they can throw the ball really well. So I think the presumption is Washington's going to be able to put up a bunch of yards. Why this game is particularly interesting, though, is think about who Michigan State's going to play later in the year. Later in the year, they're going to play a Michigan team that believes they found a quarterback that can be explosive, and they're going to play Ohio State with C.J. Stroud. They will later in the year have to play two of the better uh, teams in the country that are both going to know, hey, I can throw the ball and beat you doing it. So for me, Michigan State, Washington is interesting, not just because of what it means for this weekend, but also for what it means for the rest of the year. If Michigan State holds up better than anybody expects, I think we might change a little of how we view Michigan State going in further into the year. If they get dominated then all of a sudden it's going to be very easy for me to look at that game which is on ABC by the way as a real uh, like statement that Michigan State's going to lose 3 or 4 games this season their their season will change that much in perception based on how they play not even just win how they play in this game
2: i do think that there's a chance for Michigan State's run game to just keep them in this mm-hmm. and They've got two running backs who had 362 of the team's 457 rushing yards. Uh, Those two guys are doing yeoman's work there. And so there's an opportunity for them to show up for Michigan State and and keep this the way the rankings would tell you, but yeah, you're right. Most people are picking the underdog in theory in Washington here. Um, that'll be interesting to watch. You know, I mentioned that this might be the kind of weekend where we see a really big upset that keeps everyone talking. Uh, which game are you eyeing where you'd say that that could be happening there?
1: Yeah, I don't know that I I love any of the upsets. Uh, I think a lot mm-hmm. of people think Oregon can upset BYU. I just think BYU is a much better football team, and BYU has continuity on their side. Like I, I just BYU for anybody that doesn't pay. Attention, because of some of the faith uh, portions of it. Some of their players are a little older than than many uh, because they do their mission trips and things like that. And so BYU also typically has rosters that have stayed together longer. Oregon is piecemealing under Dan Lanning, their new coach. So I see a lot of people picking that as the upset, and I just don't love that upset opportunity. You know, when you look across the board this week, it feels like, most of these games feel, to me, I mean, if we want to say Michigan State is an upset by beating Washington, that feels weird to say. Uh, I feel like they, they can turn around and at least play competitive there. I think they have a shot at, at upsetting them. I don't see anything else that really stands out.
2: With Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz on a fryer, looking ahead to the weekend of football. On the NFL side, there's a game I'm watching, and it's Seattle, San Francisco. Mm. Uh, I, I'm curious on the Seahawks' side of things, Just who Geno Smith is, he was fantastic in week one. And I I certainly am excited for him to have an opportunity to rewrite a little bit of the story of his career. I mentioned this last week. This is a pretty wild statistic. In each of his last two starts, he's had 20 or more completions, five or fewer incompletions, multiple touchdowns, and no turnovers. No other quarterback in history has done that in back-to-back starts. What do we see from Geno? And how good are the Seahawks? Or was it just a game against a first-time head coach in Nathaniel Hackett who made some questionable decisions? They still gave up 433 yards to the Broncos. And if the Broncos hadn't biffed it at the goal line multiple times, we might be talking about a Seahawks team. And if they had gone for it on fourth and five, a Seahawks team that's 0-1 instead of 1-0. So who are the Seahawks? But more importantly who are the Niners and who is Trey Lance for all of the hand-wringing about their decision to first draft him instead of other available quarterbacks to secondarily decide to promote him and try to get rid of Jimmy G when he's got so few starts under his belt as a pro and as a college quarterback. And then to end up having to keep Jimmy and think about that locker room chemistry, they better have a guy in Trey Lance. They better have their guy. And what we saw in week one, in a monsoon, in a swimming pool, in the mess that was Chicago, we didn't really get a good read on him, although some were already willing to pile on about the terrible decision that the Niners have made. I need to see something out of Trey Lance because it's going to be real tough if they start out 0-2 and people are clamoring for Jimmy, especially because they haven't even made the playoffs under Kyle Shanahan when they lose one of their first two games, not to mention both. This is a big one.
1: Yeah, you know, you're such a smart point uh, when it comes to the way we perceive him. And and I know Kyle Shanahan said earlier this summer, hey, look, if, if he's not playing, if Lance isn't playing well, it doesn't matter who's on the roster. Uh, they're still going to be screaming about it. And I get that general point. But, man, that that yelling's going to get louder and louder right mm-hmm. now because there's so much urgency around the rest of this roster. This is supposed to be a very good 49ers team. And I would love to look look at what we saw in week one and say, hey, that's just an aberration in a monsoon. But I don't know. And it's really easy to dismiss Chicago and then to dismiss the problems that Lance had and say any quarterback would have those difficulties. I just think that we're going to get a much better concept of that in week two. And if Chicago comes out and plays competitive football, then they're going to need a little bit more respect than they got for their week and week one win. If Trey Lance comes out and struggles, I can't imagine that even the locker room isn't looking mm-hmm. around and saying, do we have the right guy? And once you have a locker room split, you can't fix that. That That's the ultimate my season is screwed moment.
2: Gino in that game one, week one, 23-28, 195 yards, two touchdowns. Trey Lance, 13 of 28, 164 yards, one interception. Mm -hmm. So it'll be interesting to watch both those guys. Interesting betting nugget, too, from our .com guys. 49ers, 6-16-1 and against the spread as a home favorite under Shanahan, but they are 4-1 against the spread in the last five games coming off an outright loss. (laughs) So uh, consider those things when you are wagering this weekend. Coming up, the smartest person at ESPN that isn't a co-host of this show, is going to join us next. It's Spain and Fitz.
0: <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio.